Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Sam and me. On today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And uh, kind of going off of some of our discussion last week, I mentioned Uncharted 4, one of PlayStation's most beloved IP and one of their most beloved games, is coming to PC. Now, this uh, Sony themselves have confirmed as much. And I think that kind of sparks a greater discussion about where console gaming is heading in the future. If, uh, if Sony is putting Uncharted on PC, that's a statement to me. And I kind yeah, of wanted that, to that, that, talk about that. It's either that. a statement or an experiment, right? Like, I, I, I think Sony is in the experimentation phase right now, but they're experimenting more and more. So let's keep in mind, their first PlayStation Studios game that they stuck on PC was Horizon Zero Dawn. Then they put Days Gone on there, and now we've got Uncharted 4 incoming. We've got, oh god, I had it in my head. And I the just rumors forgot. for Bloodborne will never stop. Yeah, we had, uh, and Ghost of Tsushima has now lost its only on PS4 tag that was on the cover. Um, Interestingly enough, so. actually, about Bloodborne, like 90% of people that play Bloodborne play it on PC through uh, PlayStation Now, or some absurdly high number. What was the what was the number you said? It was like seventy eighty percent. There's no way that it's yeah, that much. I don't believe that, unfortunately. But uh, it was just a high number. I yeah, I, I would absolutely believe it's a high number because like yeah, I mean, Bloodborne is the most I think requested from software game, right? Like people want Bloodborne, and the yeah. only way to play Bloodborne right now is on PS4 at 30 FPS with poor frame pacing. So it's not yeah. the ideal way to play Bloodborne. They're, you know, just speaking on Bloodborne for a sec, I feel like they have to be working on a remaster. Like, it's such low-hanging fruit at this point, you know? Like, it's got to be one of those things that's that's definitely happening, right? But From Software is currently busy, aren't they? But Sony owns owns the IP for Bloodborne, right? Just like Demon's Souls, yeah, so right? Yeah, Bloodborne could do it, I think. Yeah, so... Like, it doesn't even have to be a remake. Like, just 60 FPS... Perfect frame pacing, and I think even if you don't do any like resolution or texture upgrades, people would be satisfied with that. So like, there's I don't know. No way they wouldn't do. I mean, there's no way no, they wouldn't do a resolution. They, certain, upgrade, they, they certainly will, but like, yeah. Bloodborne at 60 FPS with without the frame pacing issues is what people want. There's already a mod to get it at 60 FPS on console. I'm yeah, pretty sure with a PS4 Pro, maybe not yeah. even with a PS4 Pro. It might just be like just normally. But yeah, so anyways, like with, with Sony, Sony's experimentation, let's call it, right? Like, we've got Ghost of Tsushima and Uncharted 4 incoming. Ghost of Tsushima is one of their biggest new IP, right? And th that's kind of saying a lot there, because before we had sort of established IP, right? Horizon was new at the time, but at this point, it's a household Sony name. And of course, Uncharted is Sony's, like, big gun, Right. And it kind of just to kind of go off of that, it is sort of odd that we've got confirmation for Uncharted 4 and not Uncharted's 1 through 3. Yeah, that's extremely weird. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't really understand the rationale there unless. Uh, I don't maybe. Uh, well, actually, Uncharted's 1 through 3 ran on PS3, right? So it was cell architecture, but Bluepoint remastered them for PS4, so you'd yeah, think the work was largely already done to get yeah, it working on PC. Port, well, I wonder if they're doing what Halo did. You know, Halo 5 came to PC first, and then Halo 4, and then they started 1, 2, 3, Reach. I think, or no, Reach came, Reach came first after Halo 5. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, 
for for something as heavily story based as Uncharted, and especially Uncharted Four, which yeah. really sort of builds off the first three games, like the first three games, like I I could see an argument for like playing Uncharted Two or Three in either order, right? But like yeah. Uncharted yeah. Four, I feel like you really need to play at least some of the previous ones to fully appreciate it. But who knows? So I yeah, Sony's gonna stick that on there. I think they're really looking to see what the overlap is, right? Like are people who are interested in these games playing them on PlayStation, right? Like, do they have a PlayStation for the PlayStation exclusives? Or are there PC players out there who are interested in these games but don't play them because they're not going to buy a PlayStation? And I think once they have the answers to those sort of questions, we can either see an increase in the PC support from PlayStation or, you know, maybe just keep it at this level. Yeah, I mean, I I could tell you the answer it's there are a lot of people who are on pc and would like love to play playstation games but pc is in a weird space where pc is both the super high end of gaming as well as the super low end like yeah right it's it supports every sort of yeah it it splits the entire spectrum yeah there are absolutely gamers that like play on pc because they have a computer laying around and like you know you can get a game to run at like 540p with pretty tame specs a lot of the time, you know, and you can get that experience. There's, there are accessibility reasons, you know? Yeah. And, and and I think this sort of leads into another interesting point where all the Sony confirmations we have right now are for PS4 games. Right. And I, I think that makes sense, right? There's tons of first party PS4 games that potentially PC players have never played, but if we're looking into the far, far future where we think, okay, maybe some sort of day and date release for first party games on PlayStation 5 and PC, for example, that gets a little trickier, I think, because a lot of the PS5 sort of games, especially the exclusives that are happening now at the beginning of the generation, have sort of hardware features that may not be supported by, for example, a PC that doesn't have an SSD, who's using an HDD instead, right? So, like, it'd be interesting to see, like, if they go down the route of, like, okay, first-party games come to PC and PS5, then, uh, you know, the design of these games might be impacted, or they'd have to make, like, two distinct versions. I super disagree. There are not a lot of computers out there that don't have an SSD anymore. Really? That's not, that is not a normal thing. Like, you you can't buy a new computer without an SSD. Like... Okay, yeah. I'm still... Yeah, I don't know these things, so that's good to know. So, yeah, SSD is becoming more of the standard, and especially as the, you know, faster SSD that's in the PS5 becomes more commonplace, it'd be easy for these exclusives to make the jump to to uh, to PC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, I think the biggest thing, like we've talked about this before, but the biggest thing that makes PS5 generation unique isn't necessarily the graphics this time, right? Like, we've got the three... The big three things in my mind, the haptics, the 3D audio, and the SSD stuff. And I think all of that can be done on PC as well. So I think, uh, yeah, like it would be, it would be wild at some point in the generation to see a PS5 game come day and date to PC. But I don't know if Sony's at that point quite yet. I still think they're dipping their toe in the water and trying to see, hey, how is this going to work out? What are the sales numbers going to look like? Yeah, I agree. They're 
They're not ready to dive in. I mean, you know, because we're not seeing a lot of games that are day and date yet. Uh, not any on for PlayStation, at least. Well, no, they they've danced with it. I think. Uh, wasn't Planet Side Two a uh, EC release a, first? Yeah. No, I thought it was a. Uh, or yeah, it came to P, P, it came to PC first, but it was de- uh, developed by Sony, wasn't it? Sony Interactive. Uh, it was Sony Online Entertainment, which was. A kind of subsidiary that later became its own studio after I think Sony sold them off. Mm-hmm. So, they they were never truly owned by. It's weird. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the point here is that like we haven't seen like one of PlayStation's big IP, you know, come to both platforms at once yet, right? Like we haven't seen Ratchet and Clank or Uncharted or something like that happen quite yet. No, no, we haven't. And uh, if and when it does, that poses a very interesting question, right? Like, at that point, consoles really only exist for the convenience factor, right? For someone who doesn't want a personal computer, right? Who's, who, someone who only wants a dedicated box for video games, right? Right. Like, I yeah, can't they, think of another... Yeah. And maybe yeah, like a I mean, Blu- that, Blu-ray player or something, you know? You, you enter the... Well, that and people who like Nintendo games. But, uh... Yeah, we can talk about Nintendo here in a sec, yeah. You, you enter this, like, golden age for people like me that, like... You know, I buy a PC right now, and then I wait until the end of a console generation and pick up a console for 200 bucks or whatever. Yeah. You know, Sony doesn't make any money off of me already. Like... I buy because all those games are discounted by the time I'm getting them discounted or I buy them used and I bought my PS4 used, uh, although I don't know that I would do that again. But still, they're not making, you know, Sony has not made a dime off of me like. Yeah, and I think we've long since exited the era where console sales were, uh, I, I guess, important i mean they're still important but like they're not as big of a piece of the pie anymore right software is everything right if you get your software everywhere you make more money just period that's just the way it is now software is king for sure yeah so and i'm sure there's so many people out there like you connor who yeah would like to play these games and uh now sony's you know testing the waters out and it would be really exciting because i think sony does make a lot of excellent exclusives that I definitely would like more people to play. And, uh, oh, uh, I think God of War is also coming to PC as well. Uh, no way. Yeah, the, so... Uh, God of War 2018? Yes, yeah. Oh, my God. Thank, I'm, I've never been happier I hadn't played a game yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this is... And, you know, to, you know, to sort of just hone in on this, this is all Jim Ryan, right? Like, Jim yeah. Ryan has uh, really pushed the PC initiative forward at Sony. Which uh, which wasn't a thing for ever, you know. Like this is the PlayStation Five. Sony's been around for decades at this point, and only uh, with this new leadership, we are we are seeing uh, a a concerted push for PC games, which which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Jim Ryan fan. You know, I've said things about him on the podcast without necessarily being the most informed. Yeah, I mean, like uh, with everyone, like everyone has. I feel like it's disingenuous to just be like, he's bad for this reason, or he's good for this reason. He's a mixed bag, right? Like, yeah, everybody is. Yeah. yeah. So, But he's, you know, he's doing right by uh, PC right now, and that, that makes me very happy. Yeah, which it does, it is kind of irritating to see the response of some Sony fans, because like, I yeah. guess they get very defensive over the exclusives. They're like, no, you know, like, I and I don't understand why, right? Like, 
if you are a fan of PlayStation exclusives, if more of those exclusives get sold, your developer gets more money so they can make another exclusive that's even better, right? Like, so yeah. it'll only improve PlayStation exclusives if they're on PC, in my mind. Yeah. So Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, the more people... The the more people that can get a hold of a game, the better that game is gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Just there's more money to put into it. That's you know, it's economics. Yeah, it's not, and, yeah. And uh, just I guess like, and I guess if we go into dev- the development side of things, it might take Sony devs longer to adjust to getting things working at all the like you know, the, the, like you said, the low end and the high end when it comes to PC. Which might yeah, result the, in a longer development time, but maybe that's the only con. It's not all on them anymore, if that makes any sense. It, uh, it's not... On PC, the brunt of doing that work does not always fall on the developer anymore, you know? Because if you put it on PC, people like Low Spec Gamer will come in and like mess around with config files, and he releases like playable versions of games that can run on integrated graphics and stuff. Like The dude's a miracle worker. Yeah. That's really cool. That's his whole his whole thing is he he gets a game to run. (laughs) Yeah. Come hell or high water. He's going to get that game running. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, in the short term and I'm when I say short term, I'm thinking like a few years at least. Like, I do not think we will see a day one release on PC for a while yet, because I do still think like Sony's trying to paint the PS5 and quite successfully, in my opinion, as like some something that you have to have right like people and and it's working like people are going out in droves to buy this thing it's sold yeah, out everywhere find one yeah yeah well it's sold having it be sold out everywhere is not necessarily yeah it, it's a manufacturing there is a global issue. silicon yeah. shortage yeah but uh, but no like just looking at uh their sales estimates and sales figures right their their estimate is for at the end of this year uh, for the PS5 to be outselling every other PlayStation console, including PS2 and PS4. So their sales projections are there and they're on target for, for that incredible. currently. Okay. So even with the shortage, they're doing this. So I could only imagine once the shortage sort of alleviates what what kind of explosion we'll see. Of course, I do yeah. wonder if there are people because a PS5 is still easier to get a hold of than a new graphics card, I'm pretty sure. So I think so, too. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Those, I mean, yeah, those are just being eaten up by miners and stuff. I do wonder if that's affecting the numbers, although I I have a hard time believing that people are buying consoles just because they can't get a graphics card. So No, I, I don't think so, yeah. I don't, I don't. But I think, yeah, like, uh, in a few years, maybe, once uh, everyone's got, everyone who's going to buy a PS5 has a PS5, Maybe it'll start start uh, normalizing the idea of hey, day one, day and date release on PC, PS5. I probably, I, I do wonder if uh, PlayStation Now was them feeling the water to see if they would like to see how many people wanted to play PlayStation games but didn't own a PlayStation. Right. Yeah. Because and, and I don't remember is the catalog for games the same across PC and PlayStation for PlayStation Now? Because I know it it's is, different. It is identical. Yeah. On Xbox, right? So. Yeah. Okay. So for PlayStation Now, you don't have to install the games. It's mostly streaming. Right. They and give uh, an option for installation too. Now I believe. You do on PlayStation. Okay. You don't have that on PC. That makes sense, right? Yeah. 
because uh yeah um whereas xbox game pass started as downloadable games which you know the catalog was obviously different but moved on to streaming and so game pass has three categories it has games that are available in cloud typically games that have been fine-tuned to give you a positive experience even with some latency and all uh it has game pass console and it has game pass pc and uh Game Pass console is still the best of the three libraries. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, a lot of publishers don't want to put like Capcom refuses to put Monster Hunter World on PC Game Pass for some reason, but mm-hmm. it's on it for a uh, console. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, just speaking about Xbox for a minute, right? Like PlayStation dipping their toes, right? Like we said, like maybe in the future moving towards parity between PC and PlayStation releases. Xbox has been doing it for a while now. And to even further solidify how they're moving away from consoles, uh, Xbox, the news has recently come out that for xCloud, their streaming service, they are, the back end for that is going to be Xbox Series X's. They're upgrading to Xbox Series X's for that. So you're going to be potentially streaming like 4K 60 gameplay, which is nuts, I think. Yeah. I still, I mean, living in bad internet land, you know, I'm still always going to want my own PC. Yeah. But I, I tried think, out xCloud. I, I gave it a shot because I, I really wanted it to be good, but it is unusable in Morgantown in, yeah, in our area. And, you know, like these companies are always looking at the future, right? Like I don't think the all streaming future is here quite yet not even closed really right like maybe only in metropolitan areas but it just goes to show that you know like it's interesting to think both microsoft and sony are now just eyeing the end of consoles as we know it which is which is wild to say i don't know if it'll actually happen but they're certainly considering it both of them and i think that uh that brings us to nintendo i think uh, hell will freeze over before Nintendo puts anything on anything see, I, other than a Nintendo console. See? Well, you'd be wrong, because uh, early Nintendo games did come to PC, but... Really? How early are we talking? Like Mario Bros. Okay, like not, yeah. Not Super Mario Bros, but Mario Bros. The uh... So, okay. But this is, Nint- like, the very beginning of Nintendo, right? Like, before yeah, they yeah, even like they're really... Doing, this is pre-NES doing arcade machines. Yeah, so the, into any like uh, Commander Keen was a uh, a pitch to bring Super Mario Bros. to uh, I forget what PC system it was. I think it was IBM. Okay, but let me let me ask you a question here, Connor. Do you ever see a future where Super Smash Brothers is on PC? Yes, that's uh, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, yeah, be, I, I think be I awesome, do because. I think if Nintendo is suddenly the only skin in the console game, I think people are going to start not people are not going to want to buy it anymore. Like if you can play everything else on your PC, maybe you just live without the Nintendo games. I I would never do that, but I could see a yeah, lot of people doing it. Here's the thing though, like out of everyone, Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo, Nintendo's first party is just it's just the most deeply seeped into the gaming consciousness. I think so, right? Like everyone knows who Mario is. Everyone knows who Zelda is. People will buy consoles for Mario and Zelda and they, they have for decades and they will for decades yet. I think the other problem is you can already play all the Nintendo switch games on PC. There's a pretty okay emulator out there. (laughs) 
Like, yeah, okay, but then here's where we get into the conversation where, like, I know we're all pretty technically savvy, right? But, like, there are many, many people out there who do not want to go through the process of installing an yeah. emulator who just want to turn on their box and play their console game. A lot of right? those people aren't going to play on a PC anyway, though. Like, yeah. The overlap between people that would game on a PC and don't want to install an emulator, I imagine, has to be very small. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But, like, you know, just to... Just to give an example, one of my friends, you know, who will go unnamed, but uh, he was bugging me the other day about like, hey, how do I get this emulator installed on my computer so I can play GoldenEye on the N64? And I was like, uh, I'll, I'll Google it for you. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's it, funny aside, like people was like, know me. It's like, oh, you're you, you can do computer stuff, right? It was like, uh, yep. kind of, <laughs> I guess. But like people come to me with these like questions. It was like, okay, I'll just Google and like send you the thing from the first hit on the page. Like, yeah, well, you know, the part of that's, you know, the vocabulary to Google. Uh, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. Yeah, I've picked up on that. Well, while I joke that a computer science degree is learning how to Google things, well, it is a lot about vocabulary and stuff like you know, you know what you, you know, know what questions you know what to ask. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, I just think it's funny because I, I think out of everyone I know, there's maybe only like a handful, maybe like five people who actually know what I do for a living. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think anybody knows what I do because I oftentimes don't know what I'm going to do the next day. But, uh, but like just the general nature of like software engineering work, like people have no idea what that even is. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I think Nintendo's already kind of made a claim about whether or not it is going to do consoles anymore, uh, considering they don't have a dedicated home console out anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, you like... Know, they're, they're playing to their strengths that they've always had, which is the, uh, the mobile market. Yeah, I mean, it's a hybrid, though, right? Like, we can't discount the uh, it is, dedicated no- part completely. As as the years go by, I think of my Nintendo Switch far more as a portable than as a home console. That's fair. Like, and, and not even as the years go by. Like from the beginning, like I've definitely played my Switch more in handheld mode than than console mode. Yeah, yeah I actually haven't because I don't go anywhere. But my but even even when I'm like lying in bed or something, like I have my Switch out, right? Like I don't have yeah. it hooked up to the TV. I typically do have mine hooked up to the TV, but I do think that. The merging of those two markets was a statement by Nintendo. I, I don't see them going back to releasing a home console. I mean, I think their next console, to be quite frank, is going to be the Nintendo Switch 2. Like, I, yeah, I'm not even exactly. counting the, the Pro upgrade that's coming, right? Like, I think that'll happen, and I think the console after that is going to be the Nintendo Switch 2. They're probably not going to call it the Nintendo Switch 2, but it'll be the same thing functionally, right? It'll be like a hybrid console. Yeah. But, yeah, like... So Nintendo is always a wild card, right? Like we, you can never really predict Nintendo. But one thing I think I will predict for certain is like, I don't think they'll put Mario or Zelda on PC or Game Pass or anything like that. In fact, I think I read about like a meeting between Xbox and Nintendo where Xbox proposed like, hey, like we could get you on Game Pass or could we put Game Pass on or yeah, it was, can we put Game Pass on Nintendo? And Nintendo literally laughed them out of the room. Like... They just operate on a totally different wavelength than Microsoft and Sony, right? So, yeah, and, and for for better or worse, yeah, for better or worse, yeah, yeah. So I, Nintendo's going to keep Nintendoing, I think. Do you, do you regardless think of what Nintendo Sony and Microsoft would, 
Do you think Nintendo would go out of business before they put Mario on other consoles? I think they probably would, honestly. Definitely would. <laughs> did you know when Sega went multiplat, did you guys know that they were they were essentially bankrupt? A very it. generous shareholder gave them something like they were out of money. They were going to declare bankruptcy and a generous shareholder gave them something like $500 million to so fix some, some rich Sonic fan ensured that we get Sonic on every console for generations to come. Basically, Thanks, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think he ended up making money out of the deal eventually because Sega is still a profitable company. But, yeah, they yeah. were they were not just out of the console game. They were out of the game and yeah. somebody saved them. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had this discussion Maybe not on the show because it might have predated the show, but like the Wii U era, I was thinking like if Nintendo's next console, if the Switch turns out to be a failure, which of course we now know it's it's an immense success. But at that time, we were thinking like if this thing bombs again, like yeah. will Nintendo go third party? And like now we know what an absurd thought that was. But I mean, it was yeah. a legitimate fear back then. Yeah, the Wii U was trash. The Wii U was an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's crazy because right like there's the when, when okay, when you think about PlayStation, right? Like every PlayStation has its pros and like overall they were all really good consoles, I think. Same thing with Xbox. Early Xbox 1, you could make an argument was a bit of a dumpster fire, but like they certainly turned it around. Nintendo it it's just I feel like they're just throwing darts each console generation. Like, really, uh, I like I like all of Nintendo's consoles. No, I, I I like them all too, but like they've had some colossal failures, right? Even some of my fa- fa- favorite Nintendo consoles were considered failures. Like, I think the GameCube is considered a sales failure. So is the N sixty four. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and the N sixty four. You know, they the N sixty four they really failed because they just like picked the wrong medium. Like, you know, it was. Do we go CD or do we go cartridge? And they weighed the differences and went cartridge, and that was the wrong choice. Publishers yeah. didn't want to work with them. Yeah, I. So, uh, of course, they also they you know their reasons for picking a cartridge were not necessarily good ones. You know, they didn't they they wanted people to have to produce games through them instead of being able to print off their own CDs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sony definitely thought uh, forward with that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but, uh, Sony and everybody else. Nintendo's yeah, the only. That's true. I, I will say though, I love those N64 cards so much. Like I love them, except for the fact so that cool. you can't store them on a shelf in a meaningful way. No, like I had one of those special like N64 drawers. Yeah, that has like the little blades. You know what I mean? You uh, stick them yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I I just have mine. I only have like I have like eight N64 games, which is all of them worth playing. Hot take. Um and. uh Except Majora's Mask. I don't have Majora's Mask yet. And I just have them all facing outwards on a shelf because there's not that many of them. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, the saying or the phrase from Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Yeah. Nintendo finds a way. They sure do. Well, they also <laughs> like have. I, I was reading some statistic that people like when people were talking about Nintendo going out out of business during the Wii U era, there was some statistic like somebody was running the numbers and calculated that Nintendo could operate 70 years without turning a profit. Yeah, I think I read that too. Yeah. So, yeah. so like they're not going anywhere. <laughs> For better or worse, they're not going Nintendo anywhere. Nintendo will outlive yeah. me probably. I do hope that uh 
I, I do think they found something really special with the Switch, and I hope they don't go in some weird off-kilter direction. Like, I, I could definitely see a scenario, because it's Nintendo, where it's like, hey, our 2030 console is VR only, and that's what we're oh, doing. Oh, yeah. I could yeah, so... I'd buy that in a heartbeat, too. Oh, I, I would, too, but that thing would bomb and die, so... Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, Nintendo... So, in summary, I don't think Nintendo games will ever come to PC. PlayStation, it's happening uh, already. I think, uh, certainly in the 2030s, I could see a future where PS5 or PlayStation Xbox games uh, have release parity with PC. It's also worth noting that a lot of games that uh, used to, like... A lot of games go above and beyond on their uh, PC port from PS4, PS5. Like, it used to be that a lot of those would come and they would just have, like, generic X input integration. And that's not the case anymore. A lot of those support a DualShock 4 or a DualSense out of the box, like, with the full feature set and everything on PC. Yeah, and I think that's that's huge, especially with a DualSense, because, like, I think that's, like, half the experience at this point, right? Like, it really does provide you with yet another layer of immersion, right? But yeah, I, that's uh, exciting. And I, I certainly think uh, whatever Xbox will have haptics in Everything. Like, almost everything I own that the next controller out of Xbox will be identical to the Xbox 360 Well, Spencer has already they come out not... and said that they're interested in integrating haptics. Like, he... I mean, they've done... Z- they have innovated nothing since the original Xbox. That's true. Like, yeah, but, but they, they do have the Pro Controller, which is, like, really nice. Yeah, it has back paddles, but, like... They they refuse to even do gyro controls, which like I can't even imagine playing a shooter without gyro controls on a controller. Yeah, actually, like, I I, ne- I would be pulling my hair out. I never actually considered it until you said it out loud. Like every single Xbox controller is like the same. Yeah, no, they've yeah. done nothing. It's the the idea of them doing anything with the Xbox controller is laughable to me. I just don't think they. I mean, and and that said, that's the same company that released the um. The best accessibility right. controller on the market. The yeah. um, what is it called? I know what you're talking about. The adaptive controller. Yeah, or that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that thing's awesome. But like, their base controller model, nah. I, I don't. They're not going to include well, haptics. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, haptics are like an internal thing, right? So that maybe the controller looks exactly the same on the outside, but just has different so insides. Is a, so is a gyroscope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, there's got to be a reason they're not doing the gyroscope, right? Like, maybe they're seeing that, like. Well, they also insist on powering their battery or their controllers with AA batteries. Yeah, and, that uh, okay. That's not really excusable. That's pretty do- stupid, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people like that. I I know people that consider the AA batteries uh a plus. Dude, that's such Xbox a pain. I still remember, like, I remember, like, with my, when I was like in the Wii 360 generation, like. It was so annoying, like, whenever I had to switch off my PS3, because, like, it'd all be, always be like, okay, are we going to play a Mario Party game? Okay, let me get the Wii controllers. Oh, shoot, these don't have batteries anymore. Like, the batteries are dead. Let me go get batteries. Like, it was such a hassle, like, all the time. Whereas, whereas like, with PS3, I would just plug in the controller and charge it. It was fine. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, some people don't want to charge their controllers. Some of them want to be able to change out the batteries when they die mid-game. Like... Yeah, I, I guess, know. but like I, I can't relate to it. I hate. I think that's like like literally the really same the thing. Only with thing Halo I would change too. About like a play Halo with friends. Like, oh, these controllers are now dead. Like, yeah. let's go get batteries. Like, yeah, and batteries have a shell. You know, like lie on batteries 
don't have a shelf life the same way double A's are. Like, you can't just leave double A's in your spare controller. Yeah. Because they'll uh, corrode and everything. I've had it happen to me. But yeah, like, that, that's And that's the one thing I would change about the Steam controller, honestly, is that uh, it, it's powered by, I think, two double A's. And it's not even like, I don't know why they did this. They were out of their minds. But the Steam controller, which is like my favorite controller of all time, but the batteries go in the handles, so like nobody could even they get hot really, or like, something. Huh? Do the handles get hot? No, no. Okay. But you can't like you can buy a battery pack for the Xbox 360 controller that just it's basically just a Lion battery that does the same output as two double A's, and you slap it on there, and now your controller's better. You can't do that on a Steam controller because the batteries don't go in the same place; they go to opposite ends of the controller. That like, sucks. <laughs> making a kit for that would be extremely expensive. Yeah, that's relative uh, to the the ease of like because you know I had that for my Game Boy Advance. I had a uh, my original Game Boy Advance. I had rechargeable batteries in that thing. Like, because yeah. as long as they're like the the traditional like back to back double A's, like that's a pretty easy thing to produce. You know, people have that. Yeah, such a stupid mistake. I just and I know why they did it. It was the like it was a weight distribution thing because the batteries are the heaviest uh, part of the controller. But it's still extremely stupid. Yeah. They should have known better. Just make the whole controller heavier. Like, yeah, I don't know. yeah, I, I'm annoyed. But anyways, yeah. So console games. So yeah, I I guess maybe just to put a cap in the conversation, I really love console gaming like a lot, right? Like, and it's not because I'm incompetent at the PC or anything like that. Uh, I just really like the idea of having a dedicated box for games, right? And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I will be a little sad. If and when the day comes where Sony and Microsoft are only uh, only services, right? Like the PlayStation Six is a completely virtual thing, right? And the next Xbox is a completely virtual thing that you subscribe to or what have you, right? I I do like the idea of having a dedicated box, but I also recognize that I think you know this is the direction the industry is trending in, and uh, I think I think the weirdest thing that the industry is trending in is right now it's really expensive to own a sony console but it's not that expensive to own a microsoft console in terms of getting their exclusives yeah i mean you you, yep. you you can what is it xbox all access is that what it's called where you pay a monthly fee it's like 35 bucks a month or, something, or let's get. not even 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 uh we can go a step above that you buy a series s you have game pass that's like you get every game that's launched pretty much every game that was revealed yeah. at e3 on launch on yes. game pass so that's yeah. what like uh Three hundred dollars plus what, like sixty bucks a year or something? Yeah, and then yeah, I mean, I have with PlayStation, it, it, right? They'll have uh, their exclusives are seventy dollars each, and uh, the cheapest PS Five is four hundred currently. So, if you, you're looking uh, strictly from a money perspective, it's it's an easy choice. Yeah. yeah, I also like as a PC gamer, but but who has Xbox Game Pass, I. Uh, I I make more money now than I ever have in my life. You know, I, I, I'm an adult now, and I've been gaming for a long time. I've been buying my own games for a long time. I do not spend more money on game. I play way more games now than I ever have, but I do not spend more money on games than I ever have. I might even spend less, because I just pay for Game Pass, and I get most of, like, that's where I get most of the games that I play. I will also say that, yeah, as someone who doesn't have a Game Pass, right, that's me. I will say that I think I also pay less than I ever have, and I think that's because all, both Sony and Microsoft adopting, like, the Steam sales strategy, right? Like, there are sales 
all the time. If you're not buying something that just came out, right? Like, you, chances are you can get it on sale. So, which is funny because uh, Steam sales are worse than they ever were before. Steam really? sales okay. suck now compared. I mean, I'm sure. Do you remember the glory days, Mike, back in the day when you could get ten games for fifty dollars or something? Like, I remember the days of staying up and waiting for the next uh, player yep. picks to go through. <laughs> like, oh my god! Sale now, I worked at a summer camp. Uh, during the Steam sale one year, and I the the Steam summer sale, the big one, and I'm like, we have like a one meg connection that only works sometimes, and I'm like sweating about missing these flash sales because like yeah, that that summer camp was my only income, so I didn't you know I didn't have a lot of money to spend on games, and uh, I knew that like you know they were gonna have like forty or fifty dollar games for like a dollar fifty or something crazy. Yeah, flash sales were nuts. Yeah. Oh, I miss them. Yeah, so yeah, it definitely sounds like because like I I can't speak for Xbox, but I assume it's similar to PlayStation. PlayStation has these massive sales all the time. And yeah, and like I, I regularly long, yeah. go in buy like five six games for like forty bucks total, and they're not yeah. like just you know small you know games no one knows about. Like these are these are meaty titles. So yeah, um, yeah, I think the adoption of like these these uh, strategic sales throughout the year have really pushed game sales forward as well. But like, if we're talking like, you know, day one uh, releases and stuff like that, right? Like you're paying $70 on PlayStation. You're paying however much you pay for game pass for a year for that on Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, especially if you're doing the, doing the good scams where you can like, Get the, three the, years the conversion, of games yeah. for gold for like a hundred dollars, and then spend a dollar to convert that all to Game Pass Ultimate, and like, yeah, and it's it's funny because like I I do believe that was initially like an oversight on Microsoft's part, but they were definitely like playing the good guys, and they're like, yeah, we know this exists, but we're not going to fix it, you know. So it's yeah, it's just a thing. They they have to be hemorrhaging money on that right now, but like, they yeah, see I mean, I think they're there. hemorrhaging money on Game Pass in general, right? Like that sort of business model is not going to be successful until. You know, you reach like a certain threshold of subscribers and then you're just going to make money at the wazoo. But like people have seen this work before with a Netflix model. So like, oh, they get you addicted. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I bought I bought one of my friends or I bought myself Game Pass and I was like, man, this is really cool. And this was before the PC library was really any good. Even like I just didn't want to pay for Sea of Thieves and I wanted to try it, I think. And then I. uh I got some, you know, I started playing some other games and I was just like, you know, this isn't really hurting my pocket too bad at the end of the month. Maybe I'll just keep it around. And yeah. I ended up getting it for one of my friends for Christmas because I wanted to play some of the games with him. So I got him like, you know, six months or something of it doing the, you know, pulling the cheap scam or whatever. With yeah, Microsoft is certainly relying on reeling people in like you, right? Like yeah, that's, and, and that's he, what they're doing. He got it for his fiance because she wanted to play games with us. And yeah. then like we convinced our friend Luke to get it because we need it. You know, you need four people to play a lot of games. <laughs> like, although suddenly, I, will, like, I will say that if you are at all interested in Xbox Game Pass or Xbox games in general, I think now is the time to get Game Pass because I do think in the future the price is going to go up despite whatever Phil Spencer says. Like he said, you know, the price isn't going up, but it's going up. You know, like five years from now, Game Pass will not cost the same that it does today. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't I disagree. I think it's an economy of numbers because it costs them nothing to give you Game Pass. Yeah. Other than, you know, the, those those the game development that the, the games developed that they fund are a fixed cost, and you know, 
if they can keep it cheap and get it to a ton of people, you know, I I could see the price going up. But if it gets as popular as I think it deserves to be, because it is the best, it's the best value in gaming. I I could see the price staying the same. Yeah, if, yeah I, say I just, there's a million Game Pass subs, and every year they're getting a full game's worth of per of money from each of those million people, each one of those million. Like yeah, it's I mean, based on scale. Yeah, and, and it's not, and and there's no to be, to be clear in it. Like it's it's going to take a lot more than a million, a million people. How many Game Pass subs are there right now? I think somewhere around twenty million. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that number sounds right. Maybe. And that's but, uh, all like 10 bucks a month-ish. But here's minimum. the thing. So I'm just going based off the Netflix model, right? Like Netflix, every two, it seems like every two years or so, they bump that price up ever so little, right? Like it's it's enough to kind of take you off, but not enough to make you unsubscribe, right? And I do think that, you know, once uh, their subscriber base is large enough, I th- I think Microsoft will go the same route. But Netflix I'd be happy, happy to be wrong. users, though, haven't they? Like... Uh, I think I, with I like the escalating that. streaming yeah. wars, yes, but like Netflix's overall user base is still just so astronomically high that like, I like they're still making about it. Like people joke Netflix and chill, but I don't know anybody that actually watches Netflix that much anymore. Yeah, I, I still think it's the king of the streaming services. It's just you know there are so many other competitors now. Yeah, too many. I I, I argue. Oh uh, yeah, I uh don't don't tell anybody, but uh. Me and my siblings and my parents kind of we each pay for one and <laughs> share the password. Yeah, I mean that's what they want that do. You know, yeah, like, I do that. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I know, but I'm I'm saying you know it is illegal. But Allegedly, I won't yeah. tell. Unfortunately, the the dozens of Netflix employees listening to this are oh my god, are gonna narc on us. Do you do you know anybody that's like still living on their ex's Netflix password? Honestly, I think I do. I, I had my ex's Hulu password for the longest time. It was so funny. I watched a bunch of anime on it because I knew it made her mad. I do know, like, these streaming companies are mad about that, right? Like, they, they are mad oh, yeah. about the fact that it's so easy to just share a subscription, right? Like, and they're desperately trying to find a way to stop that from happening. But, like... I mean, like, years ago, when Netflix was the only one around, it's like, oh, this is a great alternative to cable. There's, like, two of them. And now everyone and their mother has a streaming service that you need to subscribe to to get a show. Where yeah, it's now one show, yeah. It's now the equivalent to having a cable subscription. Yeah, it's just it's full circle, right? It's, it's full just, circle. Yeah, sorta. I mean, I did always want, you know. I, I remember when I was younger, when I, when I was younger but old enough to like understand cable. I remember thinking like, why are we paying like however many dollars a month when we watch t- for for a hundred channels when we only watch two, and like, arguably streaming services answer that question. By saying, okay, just like, you know, the, there's there's nothing I want to watch on uh, Peacock, so I'm not paying for Peacock. There's nothing I want to watch on Paramount Plus, so I'm not paying for Paramount, Paramount Plus. You tell me you don't want to watch the new iCarly? I, I actually got, um, I, out of morbid curiosity, I think I might. Not, not necessarily morbid curiosity, you know, but they, they, definitely they, out uh, of curiosity. They, they curse and drink in that show now. I've heard that. I, uh, Freddy's yeah. a dad. It's like an adult iCarly. I, like, I was never going to pay for this? Paramount Plus, but I got it for my dad for Father's Day. So I might ask him for the password because he wanted to watch Star Trek on there or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my dad's not a big iCarly fan. My sister actually wasn't allowed to watch it growing up. Uh, 
My sisters have already asked me to buy a Paramount Plus subscription for iCarly. I was like, absolutely not. That's so funny. It's not happening. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll let you know how it is. Because I, I am extremely curious. How yeah, like, I, I, I don't know, like, if it's a generational thing. Like, my sisters are super into iCarly. I loved Drake and Josh growing up. I loved like, Drake and Josh. Yeah. yeah, that's the reboot I would want. Well, no, nah, actually, well, I wouldn't Not anymore. Reboot, but After I loved it. Yeah. Well, Drake got arrested for, like, uh, I think sexual things. No for, way! I had no yeah. idea. That's sad. Child sexual things. Yeah, that's that just not yeah. ideal. Sounds like that. Uh, that's that's yeah. Nickelodeon for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he learned from the best. He did work with Dan Schneider. <laughs> he did work with Dan. Sch- I I don't know. I don't think he inherited the whole feet thing from Dan Schneider. Though. I, I think Josh is doing well though. So that's yeah. yeah Josh he, he was really great. big on Vine. I don't know if he is on TikTok. Video games, everybody. No, dude, we're going to talk about... Uh, this is an iCarly <laughs> fan podcast. Yeah, this is, what, so what you're telling me is before next podcast, we should have all have uh, have binged iCarly, right? Dude, one dude. of my favorite one of my favorite game developers, Mike Bithel, he, his first professional game development experience was on an iCarly video game. He was talking about Ooh. that recently on Twitter. Isn't that, isn't that one on, like, uh, DS or something? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, it was the one. And he said he had to, like, learn an upsetting amount of iCarly lore. And now, as a, like, you know, ten years later, he finds himself, like, deeply fascinated by the reboot. I'm pretty sure my youngest sister, when she had a DS, bought a Cory in the House video game. Oh, my and God. And I just God. wonder, like, what would you even do in that yeah. game be Corey like, is it, is it a platformer like what would you is it like a telltale game you see what you do is Corey would <laughs> what they don't tell you is that Corey commits war crimes in that uh an office i mean that that child had like unbridled access to the white house so he might have he might have yeah, done he might have right <laughs> but yeah Jesus. yeah not sure like why like those Disney video games existed at all? Like I don't think people bought them. Like, yeah, did, did they though? Yeah, yeah. I guess if, like maybe young kids who like really had no idea like licensed games would be. Yeah, especially like on DS because like I don't know a lot. Like I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding sexist, but at the time gaming was a boys' club, but the Nintendo DS was not. That's fair. At, yeah, and then like. You know, you have a lot of non-core gamers playing their DS that are not necessarily going to make as educated of a purchasing decision about their video games. Or maybe they're, you know, parents or grandparents are buying them and they're going to see like, oh, you know, my kid watches iCarly all the time. Let's get him the game. And I also, Christmas, yeah, not all these games were terrible. I, I do not like I, I have uh, I've, I watch a lot of videos about old licensed games because I find them deeply fascinating. And like. They're not triple A releases. You know, but some of them aren't terrible. The, the iCarly game specifically, I've uh, I've seen some stuff that it is not terrible. Like what, what do you do in that game? <laughs> like, it, what I think it? it was really similar to Animal Crossing. Like, what? except you were friends with the iCarly gang, and like, there okay. was like you would help them do stuff on their web show and stuff. I don't know. I've never played it, but that sounds know. super defensive for someone who's never played the yeah, game. Well, I just don't like. I are you are you like, worried you're gonna lose your gamer creds with us? I like stupid licensed games sometimes. There, I said. <laughs> sometimes they're fun in a really stupid way. They shouldn't be sixty dollars. I mean, but... if if anyone has has the propensity to buy shovelware, I think it was Young Amid. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> dude. Like that's all I played. Like, are you kidding me, dude? When I played, my cabinet was full of Dragon Ball and Naruto games. Two thousand eight, <laughs> playing the Iron Man the movie, the game on the Wii. 
<laughs> Emmett would look at that buy, would look at that bargain bin of like dollar games that no one wanted to buy and think, ooh, ooh, a feast. Bugs ooh. Life, the video game? You kidding me? Good stuff. By good stuff, I mean it's probably terrible. There's I, nothing wrong with bargain bin shopping, taste but of a bargain bin games are never a good idea. Because usually Dude, there's a reason they're in the bargain bin. Oh my Dude, god. I mean, like, when I was little, it was as simple as like, hey, I liked this movie. I want to get the game for it. You know, like, this kid. It was a simpler time. Well, my, my ex girlfriend's nephew, he really, really wanted this stupid Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. And like, we, we were buying it, and they were like, this game's not very good. And like, we said, eh, he really wants it. And we, like, he, he acted so excited when he opened it. Like, his eyes lit up. He was so happy. He played it for less than five minutes and, like, decided it was terrible and never touched it again. And I've Brushed never been more, I've never been more proud. Yeah. No, dude, I totally, I totally would have been the kid that, like, convinced myself it was, it was brilliant. I convinced myself Sonic 06 was good. Like, I, I had high amounts of hopium and copium or whatever running through my veins. I, you see, people are always telling me I'm, I'm full of copium because I, I try to defend some modern Sonic games. But you are. You are. I, I would, Sonic Generations is a good game. Like, hard stop. It is, actually. So, I they have agree. a propensity to make good games, but they just choose not to a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a conscious choice of Sega not making good Sonic games. Like, Sonic dude, Mania I, was great. Dude, speaking of Sonic, I just kind of want to mention uh, Yuji Nako with Ball and Wonderworld, right? Oh dude, apparently God, yeah. he, uh, perfect, he... Perfect he, example of somebody that needs an editor, I guess. He straight up, uh, he quit. He, like, yeah. retired, which kind of sucks. But, like... I mean, that's super common, though. A lot of people's last creative work is their worst. That's not... You know, it sucks, but... Yeah. But it's I just like, Quentin Tarantino dude, quote point, the It's other just day. like... But it's like it's... Dude, it, the rabbit hole with Balan Wonderworld goes so deep, though. Like, dude, they named the company after Balan, right? It's The new studio was called Balan Company. Yeah. They, they had a series of, like, novels planned. And nobody like, at any point played they, it and realized... They, they thought this was going to be, like, the next Mario or something. Like, what? But th- I think it, the problem with Balan Wonderworld is in the design, really. Dude, It everything. was a game designed for kids. It released with reverse draw distance, where characters disappeared as you got closer to them. Like... That's a really good mechanic. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, but no, like, if that was how did if anyone played the game at all, that would have gotten caught, right? Like, the most basic playtesting should have identified that. Maybe yeah. it did identify that, and they couldn't fix it. Which I doubt they couldn't fix it. I doubt it was one of those, uh, you know, uh, broken but shippable. You know, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think Square Enix gave Yuji Naka like carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. And Dude, speaking uh, of giving somebody carte blanche. Like how, how is there how is there a director's cut of Death Stranding coming out? Dude, which is Who even was funnier, telling him no? Which is even funnier. Yeah, Ko- this is a Kojima released game. Kojima was the director. Kojima made this game himself, right? What like did obviously had a team. Not let like, Kojima put in the initial release. <laughs> he's releasing Death Stranding, the director's cut. As if the first game already wasn't the director's cut. I, I don't think it's a problem of no one telling Kojima no, or 
it's just him indulging himself no. even more. I think it's is... Sony basically say, basically being unable to tell Kojima no. I mean, like they. I mean, Sony's funding his game. They they could tell him no. Like, why would they? Yeah, why would they you know ever tell they know Kojima that, no? They know that fans have been craving somebody who won't tell Kojima no forever. Yeah. yeah. I can't agree with that. I don't think it's like I have no interest in it. I I will. Dude, I will play. buy Death Stranding director's cut though. Oh, will I you? Will play, I will That's play so that funny. game, but like, not because I think it's gonna be good. Dude, the tra- <laughs> did you guys see the trailer for that? No. Death Stranding's director's cut. Nah, it was essentially just a huge Easter egg for Metal Gear. Like it had. Uh, Norman Reedus like crawling into a box and it had several like references to the Metal Gear series even had Metal Gear music and at that point it's just like how much of this is this is some this has to be some sort of tease right for something coming it's one of those things where like the director's cut is actually Metal Gear Solid 6 right like if Kojima's the only one where I could believe something like that is possible right like Kojima loves nutty conspiracy stuff like this so, I, have like, you seen people on Twitter having to like defend themselves against Kojima fans? Like, no, I swear to God, I'm not an, a Kojima ARG. Like, yeah. Wait, isn't that about that the that, new video game? Yeah, new video game that like low budget you hear about horror this, game. Connor? No, there's, there's this horror game coming out. The low budget and horror game. People are 100 percent convinced this is Kojima's next project to the <laughs> point where this has blown up so much. And the director's planning a reveal of, like, the team's faces and everything to show that, no, we are not Kojima, we are not related to Kojima in any way, that we're making help. this game. But, like, they fans are 100% convinced that, like, this is a secret Kojima game, where it, like, definitely isn't. And, like, That's... the guy, the guy became, this, this game is now famous because people think it's a Kojima game. Previously saw... would not have gotten any attention at all. I saw a tweet where he like was talking like something starts with an S and ends with L and he was talking about his game and like and then he had to tweet later that it wasn't Silent Hill. Kojima said that? No, no. It, no, was, uh, the- it was the guy making this other game. Oh, okay, okay. It's the damn studio. Yeah. You know what's wild? Like even even though like it's I, I think it's obvious to me fans are going crazy, there's still a part of me that thinks that it might be true. It's <laughs> like, not a- it's, it's, it's fractions too happen, damn it. Anything is on the table when it comes to Kojima. Like, it really is. But, I, okay, so, um, seriously, though, I think the the fact that, you know, like, that trailer had Metal Gear music and everything in it, maybe uh, Blue Point is remaking Metal Gear. I, I think, because, like, if you go, do you guys remember that really cryptic tweet Blue Point made, like, way back when? No. Where they referenced, like, a bunch of games. They referenced, like, Souls and, and uh, Siphon Filter and... Metal Gear, like it was like around Halloween, they released this like really cryptic tweet with like a bunch of words associated with different video games, and like one of the lines was like not one but two arise from shadow or something. I think they were they were working on Demon Souls and Metal Gear, and I think Metal Gear is going to be their next game. Just my thought, but we'll see. Dude, I wish Konami would just sell all their freaking properties. Like, really dude, do I, but they're not going to use them except for. Pe- Chinko machines again. I still have an idea in my head. I think Sony's trying to buy them. I, I really do. I don't See, know if I have evidence for that, but I, I believe it. I wish... I, I typically am not super in favor of that sort of thing, but like... At this point, anyone. Anyone buy, buy those IP. I yeah, off of Konami. Like, 
Castlevania, Silent Hill, Metal Gear, like all those games, it, it those games in the hands of a competent developer could be like each one of those could be like game of the year, right? Like those are massive games. So yeah, I I just wish oh, I'm forgetting his name, the Symphony of the Night guy. I I just wish he could get oh, Castlevania again. Oh, uh, Igor Igor Igarashi, yeah, 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 Iga, yeah, yeah. God, if he could just do, I mean. I say that he's probably happier doing Bloodstained, and those games are good. I just, I don't know. The Bloodstained, I mean, honestly, Bloodstained is better than Castlevania, uh, the Curse of the Moon. But, like, yeah. it doesn't, it's missing a certain level of camp that Castlevania had, you know? The, the camp. Yeah, and, and like, Dracula. I don't even know, like, at a certain point, like, like even if in a, in a universe where Ego got to work on Castlevania again, would it be as good? Like, I feel like at this point, like, I don't know, like someone who truly understands what makes Castlevania Castlevania should take over, like much like uh, Christian Whitehead with Sonic, right? Like, Ega's proven that uh, with with Bloodstain that yeah, he does now. Like, I mean, I thought Ritual of the Night was largely seen as kind of meh. I never played Ritual of the Night. I didn't, but I'm not Cur- a big Curse of the Moon. Guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I know Curse of the Moon. Moon is, I mean, yeah. Curse of the Moon is very well liked. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I actually haven't played a lot of the later Castlevania games, though. I am. Yeah, I mean, I always hear so much about Symphony of the Night, and uh, yeah, dude, I didn't know that it was such a commercial failure. I uh, I had no idea. I didn't know either until you I mean, just I told knew, me. I knew it was rare. Like, I knew getting an actual disc of Symphony of the Night is a fairly difficult thing to do. But yeah. which I guess I should have known because the only games that are hard to get a hold of were commercial failures, like Earthbound. God, you know, Mother uh, One, Two, and Three. I mean, Mother 3 just never came to the West. Yeah, Mother yeah. 3 just never came here. It wasn't that it was a failure. It's the, that Japan thought it wasn't worthy of uh, getting a translation. Yeah, because Earthbound was a failure. Like, yeah. Yeah, so. But it's a cult classic now, and everyone wants Mother 3 over here. And is Nintendo ever going to budge? No. It's Nintendo. I don't know, man. Like I said last week, Nintendo, I they, they, have a, they have a long memory. Like, I could Metroid, absolutely see Metroid Mother Dread. Resurfaced after 15 years. Okay, yeah, no. so. I do, I would not even be surprised if a mother collection got announced for Nintendo Switch before the end of this console. Generation. I could see it. I could see yeah. it. Like it, all three of them, you know, probably probably similar graphics, but maybe widescreen. You know, yeah. I don't know. You guys ready to do what games we've been playing? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go first. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Wargroove the past two days. I think I've actually talked about this game on the podcast before. Uh, Wargroove is a uh, it's a like a strategy war game. I've seen it called a wars game, I think, uh, because it's part of a genre popularized by uh, Advance Wars. Okay, yeah, it's like supposedly a mix between Advance Wars and uh, Fire Emblem. I've never played a Fire Emblem game, uh, but it is like. It's a tactical strategy game. There's no RPG mechanics to it, though. I think that's its biggest difference from Fire Emblem. Uh, Fire Emblem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you have a soldier, that's a soldier. You 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 have your commanders that all have like their grooves, which are different powers. Like, Mercia can heal some units. Uh, Emmerich can lay down a crystal that like increases all the units within range's defense. Valder can summon a unit on top of him. Uh, Nuru can buy units and spawn them next to her, stuff like that. Um, but basically, it's like a, it's a strategy game where you want to capture these villages. The more villages you have, the more money you get per turn. You can use the money you get per turn to spawn 
new units at the barracks. And uh, while, while the campaign gives you a lot of different missions, like surviving a certain number of turns, or like just wiping out an enemy force that doesn't have any spawning abilities, the, the main game is like you have your stronghold and your commander. You have to keep both of those alive. And uh, I just really like it. It's a, it's a little tricky because your commander is an extremely strong unit, but also you lose if they get defeated. But uh, it's a genre I'm not very good at. Uh, I haven't played a lot of strategy games or anything, but after seeing the Advance Wars remakes at E3, I suddenly got a huge itch to play some more Warcraft. Yeah, you, uh, you talked about XCOM the week before. Now yeah, you're playing I'm just on Wargroove. a little bit of a strategy yeah. game kick right now. I think I... I might like XCOM more than Wargroove because uh, XCOM does that interesting thing where you like actually get attached to your units and stuff. And like, dude, I know. Okay, I'm gonna say something. And you're gonna be mad, but you should definitely play Fire Emblem. No, I know. I, I've I been think thinking. You, more I more really more think you would like it. Yeah, I, I've been really thinking about picking up Three Houses on my Switch. Yeah, I think I, I would like it. I've known. I've known that I would like Fire Emblem for a very long time. I just hate <laughs> that they tainted Smash. Yeah. With a bunch of boring characters, but, but yeah, uh, especially three houses because like it it has those strategy elements you've grown fond of, in addition to like you know the units you care about, and it incorporates uh, you know RPG elements, and it incorporates stuff from Persona as well. So I think yeah. especially three houses would would be up your alley. Yeah, but Wargroove is kind of a game about making trades the whole time. It's all it's all like chess in that way, where like all all of the units have value. And your goal is to use, you know, basically you want to make sure that a unit kills enough units to replace itself, if that makes sense. Like, you want your opponent to be okay. spending more money than you. That's the long game. Uh, you know, there are instances where that doesn't super matter. Like, if your opponent overextends with their commander and you manage to, like, trap them and kill them. Because, like, there are, like, crazy situations in this game where you can be, like, at a stalemate for, like, forever. For, like an unholy number of turns like warring over because typically each map will have like one village in the middle of the map that is going to be contested and you'll each have villages that are like easier to defend back towards your base yeah and uh suddenly somebody will make like a power play or something with their commander and you'll just see an opportunity that you can like wall them in with weaker units and just hammer them down and just in one turn into the game that's been going on forever that like it was not clear who was going to get the advantage at any point. It's it's super fun like that, but it's also I've I've been playing through the campaign and uh, I I read online that the side missions are particularly difficult, but I'm on a uh, like Act Three side mission one right now, and I am just like at a loss. It's like you you play as this adorable commander called Caesar. He's a dog, and um. Not a not a talking dog or anything either. He's just a dog. Just a dog. Okay. That, that inspires people to fight for him. I guess he's a, he's the queen of the country's dog, and he has an army. And Caesar comes across this village that's getting raided by uh, outlaws, and so you are like defending the village the whole game. And there's like so many lose conditions in this that it's killing me. There's like four villager units. If any of them die, you lose. There are there's the stronghold in the center. If it dies, you lose. And then there's Caesar himself. And if he dies, you lose. And it's tough because there's like four entrances to this village and people are coming from every direction. So you're fighting on four fronts at once. And like the enemy has access to units you don't like you have no flying units. You have no golems. 
which are like the heaviest, tankiest units, and they have access to both of those. And like uh, a flying unit can just fly across the battlefield and attack your stronghold if you don't have yeah. somebody to to stop it along the way. The walls don't mean anything, and like you can't block it with ground units. You have to have an anti-air thing. So, yeah, dude, I have dude. gotten down to like the last three enemies like three times now. One time I uh, miscounted the tiles and they were able to reach Caesar and kill him. One time I wasn't paying attention to the stronghold's HP and it died. And one time uh, I didn't, the four villagers are like super hard to keep track of because, you know, there's four of them. They're all over the place. And uh, I did not notice that they were in range of someone who was able to one shot one of them. Yeah, th- this this sounds very up my alley, to be honest. Yeah, it's and super. I, it's I, on Game Pass. It's super fun. Uh, if you want to play it, there's actually a co-op campaign that I've been really wanting to play. Yeah, just and, uh, and it's cross-platform across all consoles. Okay, okay, cool. It's on Switch too. If you want to get it there, although I I I mean I'm sure it's extremely playable on consoles and everything, but like this is a game that feels right with a mouse. <laughs> it just yeah okay. I just feel like I mean it's turn-based, so it really doesn't matter. You're not going to be at a disadvantage or anything. But the idea of playing it without either a touch screen or a mouse just seems kind of crazy to me. Like, all the different things you have to juggle. But then again, it's based on Advance Wars, which was a Game Boy Advance game. So, Yeah. Dude, the entire time you were th- talking, I just images of Fire Emblem in my mind. I, I really do think you'd like it. Yeah, the, the thing is, I, I think when I first started playing this, I was playing it kind of like a Fire Emblem game. But, like, you have to be ready to let your units die in this game. Like, it absolutely yeah. is a game of so, trades. So, yeah, the problem with Fire Emblem, though, like, I think New or Three Houses is the is the only one of the newer ones where, like, the default mode has permadeath off. Like, traditionally, Fire Emblem has permadeath on, right? So, like, these units are all characters in this story, right? Like, yeah. all characters you become attached to. So, if one of them dies, right, like, and you have permadeath on you really feel it, right? Like, it's it's over at that point. Like, there's no, like, resurrections or anything. They're just dead, like a soldier in a war, right? So... Yeah. Yeah, it's all nameless soldiers in this game. And, uh... Yeah, you sacrifice them all the time. They are yeah. shields. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's where Fire Emblem differs, because, like, you really have to strategize around, like, okay, like, we're going to do what we gotta do, but, like, at the end of the day, you have to prioritize keeping everyone alive, right? Yeah, I also want to point out this game is like not a grim, dark horrors of war type thing like XCOM kind of is sometimes. This game is extre- it is extremely cartoony. Like everybody's out there having a good time. Yeah, and okay. Getting impaled on stakes. Like, <laughs> there's no blood when you're. You can get like war hounds and stuff, and they don't even die. They run away when they take too much damage. Like because people complained about dogs dying in the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your your commander dog would not appreciate that. No, he was not a fan. No, he's he's. I'm thinking about him so much because he's the one I'm stuck playing as right now, and I don't really like his power. His power is like the four adjacent tiles around him. He can give them a second turn, but it consumes his entire turn, and like it's really hard. I'm having an extreme amount of difficulty getting into a position where there are a reasonable number of people surrounding me that I can use that power to any meaningful extent. Yeah. Because I typically like build a wall of people, and in that case, I would only be able to hit one or two of them with it. Right. But I'm bad at the game, so here we are. It is a it's a different kind of game. Yeah, it's not a lot of 
a lot of the skills that you build in other games don't really transfer to the style game. Not so. at all. Yeah. It, it's absolutely just not a skill set I have. Like, I because all the all of the unit types have a counter and a hard counter and stuff. Like, it's balanced. Like, it, you know, even the strongest unit can be taken out in a single turn if you're playing really smart. Yeah. And I can't. I like. I just end up sending wave after wave of my own men into the uh, into the grinder, into the meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, but I have fun. I I I really want to play multiplayer, but I don't know anybody stupid enough to play with me. <laughs> the only people I know that play games like this would just absolutely rock me. Like I would have I would have no fun at all. I, I might give yeah. it a shot. We'll see. Yeah, if you pick it up, I'd love to. Um, it has a it it has like a really good feature set I think for multiplayer. I think you can even do asynchronous multiplayer where like you don't have to both be playing the game at the same time. Like you that's can cool. send a turn and then it's waiting for the other person for whenever they that's, have a chance to play. That's really cool. Yeah, not that the turns take forever typically. But I I think it has that. I'm not sure if that if that was in it or if that was a mod. Yeah, but it also definitely has cross-platform across all platforms and everything. Yeah, I think if I get it, I'll probably get it on Switch because unfortunately I don't have Game Pass. Yeah, and it has a free DLC. That's uh, that's the co-op campaign I was talking about. I don't even know what that would be like. <laughs> what's what do you co-op in a game like this? I just assume you're two separate armies working together. But yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, it is uh, developed by Chucklefish, which I don't love. Or I don't I don't think it's published. I think it was developed in house by Chucklefish, which. Eh. They did Stardew Valley, yeah. right? No, they uh, Concerned Stardew Ape, did, they published Stardew Valley. Okay, Concerned okay. Ape made Stardew Valley. Uh, the only game that Chucklefish has out other than Wargroove is, I think, Starbound, which is the one they used uh, child slave labor on. Right. So, Mike. Thanks, smart purchasing decisions, but it's a fun game. Yeah. Mike. Oh, man. I, I went back and started playing Battlefield 4 again. It's the best one. And, oh, Wait. it is the best one. <laughs> Waiting for that sweet uh, twenty. Keep forgetting the date. Twenty fifty one. Twenty forty two. Yeah, wrong. I'm <laughs> super excited. Like this is actually my first Battlefield PC experience. Surprisingly enough. Wow. Really? Yeah, really? I that started playing on it on consoles. Yeah. No. Yeah. I branded myself as a PC gamer, but up until about the middle of the PS4 era. I was still playing. Uh, I was still playing on console a bunch. Ah, uh, does that mean you suffered through Battlefield Three on consoles? Battlefield Three on consoles wasn't that bad. Battlefield Four on last gen consoles was garbage, though. I didn't know or it came out on previous last gen consoles. Gen. Yeah, it came out on PS3, and uh, That's uh it soured my enjoyment of the game because every thirty seconds the game would crash. Yeah, See, I can't imagine the Battlefield Three just like. The maps were too big for 32 players because they were all designed for 64. It did feel like that. There was not a lot that was going on in 3. The DLC was way better. Like oper- uh, Close Quarters made it a lot better, I heard. Close Quarters was a good DLC, too. I, I, I haven't played Battlefield in a long time, but I have I a lot played, of fond memories. I never played any of the DLC for 3. Uh, 3 had um, some amazing DLC. Yeah, I should so four, though. go back and play 3. Oops. 4 is so good. Yeah, 4 is yeah, great. 4 is excellent. It has the best gunplay, I think. Or at least oh, it did oh, yeah. when I played it. The I don't know. Gunplay feels so good. Yeah, my, my only beef slow, I've ever but... really had with four is that everybody wants to play Operation Locker, and that map is not the best Yeah, map but when all. I was on, people were playing actual big maps. Good. But the only downside about PC 
is that you have to deal with really bad server admins in almost every server. Oh my god, I know. Yeah, I'm. I I haven't dealt with it yet, but I feel like I'm gonna get banned from a server for using a certain weapon. The chat like, is so toxic too, all the time. The like I get chat. it, you don't want to get killed by certain guns, but please, for the yeah. love of everything that is holy, yeah. don't ban weapon classes. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm getting sick of kill- getting killed by DMRs, but I think that might just be the server not allowing any... actual sniper rifles. How's the cheating situation? I haven't seen any cheaters. That's good. Yeah, I've never really had a huge cheater problem in a Battlefield game. I think it's largely usually... because, like, there's so many people in a game. And usually, uh, Battlefield's really good about having decent admins who will actually ban cheaters. Yeah, dude, that was when I knew I'd made it as a gamer, was when I got accused of cheating in Battlefield 4. Yeah, I've gotten accused of cheating in some games that's, sometimes. That's like the ultimate compliment. Let if you're, if your you're accused yeah. of cheating, but not cheating, and you're just that good. Yeah, you're just extra. Because I, I did, back in high school, okay. maybe even early college, me and my buddy Antonio, we tore it up in Battlefield 3 and 4. Yeah, yeah I don't know if me and my advanced age can, can, uh, can do that anymore, but... Your advanced age. Yeah. That's why you and I gotta stick to these <laughs> war groove and fire emblem, these turn-based games where we can take our time. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. Uh yeah, I'm looking forward to that 128 player multiplayer in oh, I'm So excited for the chaos. I guarantee you they're gonna have wild. like an operation locker sized map too. Dude, I just have mixed feeling. Like pumping up the player count doesn't impress me by itself. So that trailer, you know, that trailer impressed me. That Battlefield you know, 2042 trailer. You know what's weird? You know, you, usually just being bigger or better, like, m- bigger open world doesn't impress me at, at all, right? Like, maybe 10 years ago it would have, but not today. 128 player multiplayer, just by the fact that it's that big, does impress me. I think I mean, it, it's I mean, not we've had anything... player games forever, like PUBG. Fortnite. Yeah, but yeah we, it's not yeah. anything new. I mean, Planetside throws 100 player battles... As oh like his whole shtick, like that's Plan- the whole, yeah, but the whole Planet Side ran like hot garbage for a really long time. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. Okay? Yeah, they released that game when sixty-four player multiplayer was a thing. Yeah, my poor PC trying to trying to run Planet Side Two. Oh my You'd god, you'd get into a battle and your frame rate would dip. <laughs> 90%. Yeah, you'd sometimes only be alive to see like two or three frames, but that would be almost a minute. Yeah, and you'd have a great time for that minute. Yeah. I had a wonderful time for that one minute I could see the game the fight. People took that game so seriously too. Like uh, I remember looking at the platoons for it and there were people who were like actually like role playing like military stuff and I, like that was common. I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. did I did I enjoy running platoons in uh Planet Side? Yes. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Did did I ever get serious about it? No. Because <laughs> I don't, because I have a life outside yeah. of being a military dictator, and <laughs> I realize that ninety percent of the people in my faction licked windows for fun. <laughs> yeah, it it was just the oh nature of the God. beast. It got so bad. I remember the server I was playing on. There were only two factions. There were supposed to be three, but one of them just so few people picked it that their territory was just 
minuscule always. They never I'm had sure anything. it was because so few people picked it or they all decided that they were going to lick windows that day. They could have been Lindo Wicker. Lindo Wickers. All they right, so I guess I'll ask, what, what is with the window licking? Okay, so it's... You know that player in every shooter who blindly goes to wherever everyone else is? Yeah. That's a window licker. No, okay. window licking is just like something you see dumb kids do and they like just press yeah. their face against a window and lick it <laughs> just press their face it's just the stereotype for those players who don't follow any sort of planning or it's just a really you know, yeah like window licking is just a here. stupid thing to do yeah yeah instead they see ooh, big fight here me go and that's their whole their whole game plan which yeah i'll admit i do do it off peak hours if i'm playing at like 4 a.m I I'll see do it in Apex fight. sometimes, just because I get bored, like yeah. of not seeing a, a firefight. But I I play Planet Side at off peak hours, where it is always oh, there's a big fight here. We're gonna sit here for three hours and we're gonna fight over this single objective because yeah. there's not enough people to actually play the game. Some of the so most you concentrate them somewhere. Some of the most interesting fights in that game though were when there were only like ten people in an area and you're like trying to hold it down. Yeah, it's it's a fun game. Yeah. But Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. But well, they're similar games, kind of. Now that Battlefield is getting to be so big, like if you're gonna put 128 people on a map in Battlefield, like and Battlefield maps are usually pretty well designed. Yeah, from my are. experience. So every every capture point, I do. I kind of miss playing Rush. I haven't played Rush in ages. All my friends always wanted to play Conquest. Which one do you play, Mike? I usually play Conquest. I, I like Rush. I think it's a fun game mode. I think Squad Rush is really cool. Like that's what I think that's what the competitive game mode is. Although there's not a huge competitive scene. Yeah. I, I find Conquest to be the most fun because it's the classic battlefield experience. There's sixty four people running at an objective. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is it can be a meat grinder sometimes, but Sometimes yeah. it can be a meat grinder, sometimes you can reliably take an objective. And it, it's just fun to play. Sometimes, I think, yeah. sometimes you're the meat grinder. Sometimes oh, yeah. Oh, my God. One. If you lay down in just the right place with a a, a mounted gun, like a uh, an LMG, and you just sit there and tear them up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's when I got accused of hacking. <laughs> oh, you're just, like, laying there? That's, yeah, that's yeah. just exciting. Just laying on the ground. No. Oh, you're doing, like, sick, the... like, flips, 360, no scopes. Oh, my God, no. You lay no. down and you cover a hallway. <laughs> just look at all. Operation Locker is 90% grenades and 10% some guy sitting there with a 100-round LMG just unloading into a corridor. Yeah. And you, you never stop shooting, regardless of whether there's anybody there. Because if you yeah. stop shooting, you'll miss the kill. Because everybody else on your team is shooting. <laughs> Everyone else is tossing grenades in there. And it's... you... you Throw a bunch of ammo crates down at the bottom so nobody ever has any chance of running out of ammo. Yeah, and you no. rack up a billion points from... Uh... The best rules to have in an Operation Locker meat grinder are the ammo guy and the revive guy. Yeah. Because if you're either of those, you're... Business you're going to get booming. so many medals. Yeah. Yeah. Business is booming. Because everyone's going to be throwing grenades, everyone's going to be shooting all their ammo reserves into this corridor, and everyone's going to be dying. The thing I've always felt is weird about Battlefield games, though, is, like, I don't care when the match ends, typically. Like, I like capturing a point is fun, but, like, the maps, or, or maybe I was just playing on unofficial servers or something, but it felt like the matches could go on for, like, 40 minutes sometimes. It might have been and, the unofficial servers. They like to and, yeah. tune up their length. And, like, yeah, when the when the game ended, I just, like, didn't care who won. Because, like, I just wanted to play, like, I was just thankful to be going to another map, typically. 
Yeah, some official servers jack up their their ticket count to like obscene levels for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Like no one needs to be playing the same map for 40 minutes and yeah. No. That's some people's idea of fun. Super fun game though. Overall Very fun. Absolute All right. blast. I will uh, round us off here. So I have two games I want to talk about. One, I'm still actually playing Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. So I haven't beaten it yet. I'm like savoring it. I'm playing it like for about an hour or less a day. I'm like 11 hours in. I'm surprised it hasn't ended yet. Because like people are complaining about how short this game is. I think, uh, you know, single player game, 12 to 15 hours. That's like right up my wheelhouse. I think that's yeah. that's that's a perfect game. So Yeah, you got time to play it, but it's not so short you're left like dissatisfied. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, same praises as last time. Lovely game. Uh, I, I, I do want to shout out some of the weapons, because I didn't do that last time, and weapons are, like, all the fun in Ratchet & Clank. There's a new, like, uh, I guess, grenade called the Topiary Sprinkler. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but... I haven't seen any just, of the guns in this game. Okay, it's essentially, like, a sprinkler, like, you put down, like, that, you know, sprays water on your lawn or whatever. But when it hits the enemies, they turn into Topiary, like, uh bushes right like hedges right hmm. so like bush sculptures right so they like it it freezes them and then you can like hit them and stuff like that so just a you know wacky ratchet and clank-esque thing uh to do and then of course you you've got like returning favorites like the negatron collider and like the uh rocket launcher i forget what it's called but um but yeah lots of crazy cool uh creative weapons in that game Big fan of the Ricochet. So there's this gun that, like, I, I think it's a new one for Ratchet and Clank as well, where you shoot it and, like, a, a ball just, uh, like, basically ping-pongs off an enemy each time you pull the trigger until, you know, either uh, the ammo runs out or, like, it dies. And it's just got a really cool, like, visual effect. And, like, it, it, it looks really good, too, because, like, the enemies react in such a satisfying way when they're being hit by that weapon. Because, like, you hit them one way and, like, the physics like propels them in one direction and then you ricochet it back and then it puts them in the other direction. It's just really satisfying to use. So yeah, lots of cool weapons. I think I'm getting close to the end of the story. Uh, just judging by what's happening. I think it's, it's, it's close to the end. So really enjoying it. Um, and I'm going to be upset when it's finished. And, uh, the other game that I've been playing, which I've been playing a lot of, by the way, like I've been playing this way more than Ratchet and Clank and it is sort of eating my life is uh slay the spire on nintendo switch oh, oh god not slay the spire the hades guys right no no is it i no, don't no, think no, it no, is no it's not no it's definitely not it's not super massive they've only made a handful of or games. no slay the spire is the card game isn't it yeah, yeah. Slay the spire is a card game okay yeah. i was roguelike card game with, uh, that sports ball game yeah so slay the spire is a roguelike deck building game where if you had told me that in a vacuum i'd be like what does that even mean but it is so addicting, dude. Like I can't even, I can't even tell you. Like I've been up to like two, three a.m. every day for the past like ten days playing this game. But um, yeah, essentially, so uh, y you start out. There's one hero, but like there's four total heroes after you unlock them all. Each of them ha has a drastically different play style. And when I say play style, I mean like the uh, their abilities and like the cards in their deck. Right, so like the maps are randomized each time you play, hence like roguelike, right? And like you can encounter enemies, and if you beat the enemy, you can choose like one of three new cards to add to your deck, and you can encounter 
uh, random rooms that could have either beneficial things or negative things in them, uh, mini-boss rooms, treasure rooms, shops, rest areas, and uh, at the end of the path, the boss for the level. So there's three levels, three bosses, and uh, yeah, randomized each time you play the game. So uh, obviously the roguelike elements play a big part in, in uh, you know, luck plays a big part in how you succeed, but like how you manage the quite literally the hand you're dealt, right, like, is, is a big part in this game as well. So, um, yeah, it's so much fun just coming up with different strategies, because, like, there's an ungodly amount of depth to this game, right? Because, like, like, each of the four characters plays has a different, has several different play styles, right? And uh, the warrior, like, obviously you can build him, like, a tank or, like, be hyper-aggressive. And then there's the the thief character, who, you know, like, I, I think my favorite strategy was, like, the poison build with that guy. Like, you can just do, like, stupid amounts of damage if you, like, focus on, like, picking up poison cards and stuff like that. And then there's, like, the, the like, automaton character. And, like, he's really weird, has a unique mechanic where, like, he has, like, three, like, different rotating slots for different uh, orb abilities that you can cycle in and out. And, like, he has a very unique playstyle. And then there's, like, a, finally there's, like, a monk character uh that's spoiler you gotta complete the game for that yeah that's true sorry uh -oh. that's a spoiler character uh-oh uh -oh. i just spoiled it you spoiled the yeah. game for me now i can't complete slay yep. the spire no, I'm, not, I'm not gonna play it anymore sorry I only, i'm sorry I, I my time with slay the spire is i usually if i go to visit family or something i'll remote play in to play slay the spire since sounds it's like easy to play with lag sounds like a very yeah. good remote play game it yeah, is a very good remote play yeah, game. It's a it's a card game, so there's no reaction time or anything. Like necessary. it works well in a mobile interface too. Yeah, it, and this thing's on everything. It's on like yeah, uh, mobile, mobile pad. Yeah, it now it's has a mobile. A mobile. mobile release was last year. Switch, PlayStation, iOS Xbox. At least. Yeah, Android released earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't like. Having it on the Switch is perfect, but, like, yeah, it'd be perfect on your phone, too, honestly. Yeah, that's probably where I would buy it. But, uh, yeah, it is just so good, dude. Like, like I said, like, the, the gameplay is super addicting because, like, there's so much variance in, like, you know, between, like, the potential cards you can get and, like, the random rooms. And, by the way, if you clear a run, you, uh, unlock new cards that you can potentially pick up during subsequent runs so the game keeps basically evolving as you play because you yep. keep unlocking new cards you can potentially pick up classic roguelite yeah and it's yeah. just it's just such a uh, bottomless well dude and i will say i did uh, in fact clear the uh, secret final level and beat the secret final boss so i feel like Dude, you feel like a god. I feel like yeah, a god. Yeah, I honestly. still have yet to clear my first run because after at the end of my my most recent closest run, I was getting a hundred or two hundred block per per like turn. Dude, that's obscene. How did you not beat the whole game? Uh, well, I got bad draws on the final boss. Like, I didn't get the, the spells I needed boss. to line it up. Yeah, the final boss of the run. You, you, we're talking about the secret final boss, right? Not the secret final boss. Okay. I haven't actually gotten to the secret crap yet. So I will but say I, though, this secret final boss draws. is disgustingly difficult. Like, yeah. uh, it's almost unreasonable. Like, are you familiar, Connor? 
No, it's, you, just a, it's just that's the roguelike trope. You yeah. always you always well, put the hardest things. It's just so stupidly overpowered. Mm-hmm. Like it'll kill you in like two or three turns unless you're, you know, extremely prepared or extremely lucky, right? Like I've gotten to that secret final boss many times, only killed him once, right? Like I've only actually done it once because like that thing is just so freaking difficult, like. It applies, like, all the debuffs onto you, like, turn one, and it's, like, hitting, like, damage amounts that haven't even been seen previous to this boss. Like, it's just stupid, dude. Like, it's like, if the rest of the game is, like, a, let's say, a a 7 on the difficulty scale, this is, like, a 12. Like, it's... It's just unreasonably hard, I think, and but I I love that. I so think like it's easy great. Easy to get to, impossible to beat, or like. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy to get to. Like Slay the Spire runs can end like well before the secret final boss. Like, yeah. uh, and part of that obviously is due to luck. But like, and like some of that could be like you're trying out a new strategy with a combination of cards you haven't tried yet, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But the satisfaction you get, dude, when you find a new combination, like a new strategy, a deck strategy that works is so good dude like when i first discovered that poison strategy which i'm sure is a very common strategy it's because a very it's not a common one yeah like the uh but when i first discovered it i was like oh my god this is so powerful this is incredible like and that's the one by the way i use to kill the secret final boss i use the poison but yeah like i can't even imagine like i tried last night i got to the secret final boss on the warrior and like i just got dismantled in like three turns like and Keep in mind, like, runs take... How long would you say, Mike, to get, like, to the last boss? Like, maybe an hour uh, and a half? Maybe. Yeah. They don't take long. I think my shorter runs... Like, on the base three acts, it's maybe, like, an hour, if that. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But, yeah, like, it still just stings that, like... This character, this warrior last night, like, he felt so powerful. I gotten so many good cards leading up to this and the last boss just smacked it all away like it was nothing like i didn't even get close like let me be clear like i took like one tenth of its health and he killed me so uh yeah as a bonus unlike returnal uh it actually features a save function it does or actually yeah i i believe you but i actually haven't even had to use it yet because like i just complete entire runs and i can't stop playing yeah but, you uh, can yeah, s- I, I think run at any time roguelites need a save function I never use them. Actually, that's not true. I use the I use it in Noita, but that's because a Noita run can last for like weeks at a time. Yeah, especially long run roguelites. You need a save function. You need something for someone to stop playing and then come back at a later date because some some roguelike runs can take hours, days, days. Yeah, if you're if you're doing a serious Noita run, that's eight hours. Like yeah, that's. Not a lot of people have eight hours of uninterrupted free time. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are ever going to do a Noita long run either, though, you know? Yeah. To, to beat that game, it's 40 minutes-ish. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's be completely real here. Like, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of people are going to play roguelikes. It's a very... Yeah, it's a niche It's genre, a very niche yeah. genre, yeah. So... I It's but, so good, though. I... Yeah. Dude, dude, you need to play this game. You would love this game. I'm not a big card game guy. I I'm, I wasn't either, and then I played I, it. I, I'm, oh, I'm this is great. Not either, honestly, but like this game is something special. It, it'll like, wind up on Game Pass eventually, I bet. Actually, I might already have it. I'm I not. Humble Monthly forever and never checked what was in it. I mean, it, it is on, published by Humble Bundle. 
Remember when I messaged you guys and said it was like on sale for like five bucks or something? Like, yeah, I was gonna buy was, it, but I thought it was a different game. I didn't realize it was a. Uh... That was such a steal! Like my god! Like I think I've already put like twenty five hours into it. Yeah. Like, and it's been a week, and I've been working. So, uh, yeah, man, like, uh, it's a special game for sure. All right, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us in any podcast service you use, and click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep, uh, see you guys next week. Quick thing, we'll be out next week, but we'll see you the week after that. All right, see you later. I like iCarly well enough. I don't think it's a bad show. I don't think that, like, the surface-level writing is that fun, though. It's not that good. But when you look a little deeper at, like, the world-building and, like, the way they talked about, like, being a content creator before being a content creator was, like, a job that people did. That's that's fair. That's fair. It's it's really fascinating. So I, I'm really interested in that sort of yeah, thing. I'm Carly less was interested kinda... in the reboot for that reason. Yeah. Remember, no, no remember. my sister actually my sister wasn't allowed to watch iCarly when we were growing up because because my dad said it made her sassy. <laughs>